Section twenty four of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering, or the Astrologer, by Sir Walter Scott. Volume one, chapter twenty one. What sayest thou, wise one? that all-powerful love can fortune's strong impediments remove nor is it strange that worth should wed to worth the pride of genius with the pride of birth crab v brown i will not give at full length his thrice unhappy name had been from infancy a ball for fortune to spurn at but nature had given him that elasticity of mind which rises higher from the rebound his form was tall manly and active and his features corresponded with his person for although far from regular they had an expression of intelligence and good humour and when he spoke or was particularly animated might be decidedly pronounced interesting his manner indicated the military profession which had been his choice and in which he had now attained the rank of captain the person who succeeded colonel mannering in his command having laboured to repair the injustice which brown had sustained by that gentleman's prejudice against him but this as well as his liberation from captivity had taken place after mannering left india brown followed at no distant period his regiment being recalled home his first inquiry was after the family of mannering and easily learning their route northward he followed it with the purpose of resuming his addresses to julia with her father he deemed he had no measures to keep for ignorant of the more venomous belief which had been instilled into the colonel's mind he regarded him as an oppressive aristocrat who had used his power as a commanding officer to deprive him of the preferment due to his behaviour and who had forced upon him a personal quarrel without any better reason than his attentions to a pretty young woman agreeable to herself and permitted and countenanced by her mother he was determined therefore to take no rejection unless from the young lady herself believing that the heavy misfortunes of his painful wound and imprisonment were direct injuries received from the father which might dispense with his using much ceremony towards him how far his scheme had succeeded when his nocturnal visit was discovered by mr mervyn our readers are already informed upon this unpleasant occurrence captain brown absented himself from the inn in which he had resided under the name of dawson so that colonel mannering's attempts to discover and trace him were unavailing he resolved however that no difficulties should prevent his continuing his enterprise while julia left him a ray of hope the interest he had secured in her bosom was such as she had been unable to conceal from him and with all the courage of romantic gallantry 
he determined upon perseverance but we believe the reader will be as well pleased to learn his mode of thinking and intention from his own communication to his special friend and confidant captain delasere a swiss gentleman who had a company in his regiment extract let me hear from you soon dear delasere remember i can learn nothing about regimental affairs but through your friendly medium and i long to know what has become of ayer's court-martial and whether elliot gets the majority also how recruiting comes on and how the young officers like the mess of our kind friend the lieutenant-colonel i need ask nothing i saw him as i passed through nottingham happy in the bosom of his family what a happiness it is philip for us poor devils that we have a little resting-place between the camp and the grave if we can manage to escape disease and steel and lead and the effects of hard living a retired old soldier is always a graceful and respected character he grumbles a little now and then but then his is licensed murmuring were a lawyer or a physician or a clergyman to breathe a complaint of hard luck or want of preferment a hundred tongues would blame his own incapacity as the cause but the most stupid veteran that ever faltered out the thrice told tale of a siege and a battle and a cock and a bottle is listened to with sympathy and reverence when he shakes his thin locks and talks with indignation of the boys that are put over his head and you and i delasere foreigners both for what am i the better that i was originally a scotchman since could i prove my descent the english would hardly acknowledge me a countryman we may boast that we have fought out our preferment and gained that by the sword which we had not money to compass otherwise the english are a wise people while they praise themselves and affect to undervalue all other nations they leave us luckily trap-doors and back-doors open by which we strangers less favoured by nature may arrive at a share of their advantages and thus they are in some respects like a boastful landlord who exalts the value and flavour of his six years old mutton while he is delighted to dispense a share of it to all the company in short you whose proud family and i whose hard fate made us soldiers of fortune have the pleasant recollection that in the british service stop where we may upon our career it is only for want of money to pay the turnpike and not from our being prohibited to travel the road if therefore you can persuade little weichel to come into ours for god's sake let him buy the ensigncy live prudently mind his duty and trust to the fates for promotion and now i hope you are expiring with curiosity to learn the end of my romance i told you i had deemed it convenient to make a few days tour on foot among the mountains of westmoreland with dudley a young english artist with whom i have formed some acquaintance a fine fellow this you must know delasere he paints tolerably 
draws beautifully converses well and plays charmingly on the flute and though thus well entitled to be a coxcomb of talent is in fact a modest unpretending young man on our return from our little tour i learned that the enemy had been reconnoitring mr mervyn's barge had crossed the lake i was informed by my landlord with the squire himself and a visitor what sort of person landlord why he was a dark officer-looking man at they called colonel squire mervyn questioned me as close as i had been at sizes i had guessed mr dawson i told you that was my feigned name but i told him not of your vagaries and goin out a lakin in the mere annoyance not i and i can make no sport i spoil none and squire mervyn's as cross as poi crust too mon he's i maundering and my guess but land beneath his house though it be marked for the fourth station in the survey noy noy even let em smell things out o themselves for joe hodges you will allow there was nothing for it after this but paying honest joe hodges bill and departing unless i had preferred making him my confidant for which i felt in no way inclined besides i learned that our c devon colonel was on full retreat for scotland carrying off poor julia along with him i understand from those who conduct the heavy baggage that he takes his winter quarters at a place called woodbourne in shire in scotland he will be all on the alert just now so i must let him enter his entrenchments without any new alarm and then my good colonel to whom i owe so many grateful thanks pray look to your defence i protest to you delisere i often think there is a little contradiction enters into the ardour of my pursuit i think i would rather bring this haughty insulting man to the necessity of calling his daughter mrs brown than i would wed her with his full consent and with the king's permission to change my name for the style and arms of mannering though his whole fortune went with them there is only one circumstance that chills me a little julia is young and romantic i would not willingly hurry her into a step which her riper years might disapprove no nor would i like to have her upbraid me were it but with a glance of her eye with having ruined her fortunes far less give her reason to say as some have not been slow to tell their lords that had i left her time for consideration she would have been wiser and done better no delisere this must not be the picture presses close upon me because i am aware a girl in julia's situation has no distinct and precise idea of the value of the sacrifice she makes she knows difficulties only by name and if she thinks of love and a farm it is a ferme ornée such as is only to be found in poetic description or in the park of a gentleman of twelve thousand a year she would be ill prepared for the privations of that real swiss cottage we have so often talked of and for the difficulties which must necessarily surround us even before we attained that haven 
this must be a point clearly ascertained although julia's beauty and playful tenderness have made an impression on my heart never to be erased i must be satisfied that she perfectly understands the advantages she foregoes before she sacrifices them for my sake am i too proud delessere when i trust that even this trial may terminate favourably to my wishes am i too vain when i suppose that the few personal qualities which i possess with means of competence however moderate and the determination of consecrating my life to her happiness may make amends for all i must call upon her to forego or will a difference of dress of attendance of style as it is called of the power of shifting at pleasure the scenes in which she seeks amusement will these outweigh in her estimation the prospect of domestic happiness and the interchange of unabating affection i say nothing of her father his good and evil qualities are so strangely mingled that the former are neutralized by the latter and that which she must regret as a daughter is so much blended with what she would gladly escape from that i place the separation of the father and child as a circumstance which weighs little in her remarkable case meantime i keep up my spirits as i may i have incurred too many hardships and difficulties to be presumptuous or confident in success and i have been too often and too wonderfully extricated from them to be despondent i wish you saw this country i think the scenery would delight you at least it often brings to my recollection your glowing descriptions of your native country to me it has in a great measure the charm of novelty of the scottish hills though born among them as i have always been assured i have but an indistinct recollection indeed my memory rather dwells upon the blank which my youthful mind experienced in gazing on the levels of the isle of zealand than on anything which preceded that feeling but i am confident from that sensation as well as from the recollections which preceded it that hills and rocks have been familiar to me at an early period and that though now only remembered by contrast and by the blank which i felt while gazing around for them in vain they must have made an indelible impression on my infant imagination i remember when we first mounted that celebrated pass in the mysore country while most of the others felt only awe and astonishment at the height and grandeur of the scenery i rather shared your feelings and those of cameron whose admiration of such wild rocks was blended with familiar love derived from early association despite my dutch education a blue hill to me is as a friend and a roaring torrent like the sound of a domestic song that hath soothed my infancy i never felt the impulse so strongly as in this land of lakes and mountains and nothing grieves me so much as that duty prevents your being with me in my numerous excursions among recesses some drawings i have attempted but i succeed vilely dudley on the contrary draws delightfully 
with that rapid touch which seems like magic while i labour and botch and make this too heavy and that too light and produce at last a base caricature i must stick to the flageolet for music is the only one of the fine arts which deigns to acknowledge me did you know that colonel mannering was a draughtsman i believe not for he scorned to display his accomplishments to the view of a subaltern he draws beautifully however since he and julia left mervyn hall dudley was sent for there the squire it seems wanted a set of drawings made up of which mannering had done the first four but was interrupted by his hasty departure in his purpose of completing them dudley says he has seldom seen anything so masterly though slight and each had attached to it a short poetical description is saul you will say among the prophets colonel mannering write poetry why surely this man must have taken all the pains to conceal his accomplishments that others do to display theirs how reserved and unsociable he appeared among us how little disposed to enter into any conversation which would become generally interesting and then his attachment to that unworthy archer so much below him in every respect and all this because he was the brother of viscount archerfield a poor scottish peer i think if archer had longer survived the wounds in the affair of cuttyborum he would have told something that might have thrown light upon the inconsistencies of this singular man's character he repeated to me more than once i have that to say which will alter your hard opinion of our late colonel but death pressed him too hard and if he owed me any atonement which some of his expressions seemed to imply he died before it could be made i proposed to make a further excursion through this country while this fine frosty weather serves and dudley almost as good a walker as myself goes with me for some part of the way we part on the borders of cumberland when he must return to his lodgings in marybone up three pair of stairs and labour at what he calls the commercial part of his profession there cannot he says be such a difference betwixt any two portions of existence as between that in which the artist if an enthusiast collects the subjects of his drawings and that which must necessarily be dedicated to turning over his portfolio and exhibiting them to the provoking indifference or more provoking criticism of fashionable amateurs during the summer of my year says dudley i am as free as a wild indian enjoying myself at liberty amid the grandest scenes of nature while during my winters and springs i am not only cabined cribbed and confined in a miserable garret but condemned to as intolerable subservience to the humour of others and to as indifferent company as if i were a literal galley-slave i have promised him your acquaintance delisere you will be delighted with his specimens of art and he with your swiss fanaticism for mountains and torrents when i lose dudley's company i am informed that i can easily enter scotland 
by stretching across a wild country in the upper part of cumberland and that route i shall follow to give the colonel time to pitch his camp ere i reconnoitre his position adieu delessere i shall hardly find another opportunity of writing till i reach scotland End of volume one chapter twenty one